Want to know more about what companies are looking for when hiring supply chain professionals? Whether you're new to the industry or have been in the industry for a long time, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Tom, from the Managing Director at SCL Search, gives us the inside scoop so you can be better prepared in episode 10. So go check that out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 10. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. First, a word from our sponsor, Border Buddy. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has created a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce shopping cart, like Shopify, Magento, eBay, and others, allowing you ease and peace of mind when selling to customers in North America. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from your door to theirs in real time with the first API-based custom solution. Just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I am so happy you joined me today as I interview another powerhouse woman in the popular Women in Supply Chain series. Remember to let me know what you think of the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, and I will feature you on an upcoming episode. If you can't rate on your podcast app, please email me at let, listener at letstalksupplychain.com. I also, if you wanted to use that email to send me your thoughts on the show, topic suggestions, or even guest suggestions, that would be great. Here is our review of the week. This one comes from John Hansen. Having aired close to 900 PI window on the world shows through our New York studios since taking to the virtual airwaves in March 2009, it is safe to say you get an ear for quality programming that is both informative and entertaining. What first caught my attention of the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast, besides a memorable Twitter handle, is the energy that the host brings to the show. The Woman in Supply Chain series in particular stands out as it is a timely topic given the fact that digital transportation of not only supply chains but business in general will not have happen without more women in the STEM field. At least this was a sentiment shared with me by new Microsoft president Kevin Peeksker during a recent interview. Let's talk supply chain's ability to tackle these as as well as other critical topics are one of the reasons why tuning in is a good investment of time as you will come away well informed and a little bit energized as well. Wow. 
What an amazing review. Thank you so much for listening and sharing your thoughts about the show. That just, you know, gives me the drive and the push to keep going. I love what I do here at Let's Talk Supply Chain. So thank you all so much for continuing to listen and, and sending me amazing reviews like that one. So our guest for today is Lillian Dukes. And I chose Lillian for this series because she is dominating two very male-led industries. That would be aviation and supply chain, all while supporting other female leaders in supply chain and giving back through humanitarian efforts. Lillian is a highly experienced senior operations leader who is currently principal and president of LAD Consulting. She has driven development and change initiatives from concept through realized growth and profitability in companies such as Spirit Aerosystems, Beechcraft Corporation, American Airlines, American Eagle Airlines, and GE. From her start as an electrical and aeronautical engineer, Lillian rose steadily through operational line management levels to ultimately serve as the company officer level and vice president roles at several different companies. Lillian is an active advisor for the Supply Chain Operations Awesome Organization and is a committed humanitarian leader for the Haitian charity Foundation Enfant. Jesus. In her professional and social leadership roles, Lillian has been widely recognized as someone making a difference in the technology industry and has been featured in industry-leading magazines. So welcome to the show, Lillian. Uh, Thank you so much. I am excited to be here with you today. Well, I am super excited to have you on the show and to introduce you to the Let's Talk community. Being part of the Woman in Supply Chain series, and we're going to be talking about career and and social leadership, and I think that our community is just going to love hearing from you. So why don't we get started um, talking a little bit about your journey to success. How did your journey in aviation start? Well, When I think about it, my career was birthed out of a a love for math. And it was during this uh, journey of discovery that I got my initial exposure to the kind of aeronautics industry through a job I had with GE. And I did that right out of college, had a fantastic experience. But I went on from there to spend about 25 years in aviation. Um, initially it was a, a career chosen out of necessity. Um, but I stayed cause it was just really exciting. It was very challenging and you could look forward to doing something different every day. So when I think about how careers are formed, you know, I think about, you know, continually searching for those opportunities and the things that you love to do and being able to do them in your, in your own um, way. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. And you know what, I love the fact that you say that your journey sort of started out of math. Um, my stepdaughter is really good at math, loves math, and not really sure what to do with math and where that can sort of take her on a career path. Um, so it's really interesting to hear from you that, you know, starting out with math, this is sort of the journey that you took. Yeah. And and it was interesting. I was kind of in that same boat when I went to college and I actually had a physics teacher because I was majoring in math and I had a physics teacher who recommended to me to double major. She said, if you major in engineering, 
and use your electives to also get the math degree. She said, once you graduate, you have more options. And that way you can decide at that point what you like to do. And that was some of the best advice I could have gotten. Amazing. I love that. You know what? I'm, after this episode, I'm going to go and text her or give her a call and, and let her know that you said that. So at what point did supply chain become a necessary part of your journey and why? Well, I ventured into supply chain at a time when I was still working in engineering at a major airline. And it was just an opportunity um, for me to explore something different. Uh, when I was at GE, that my uh, first job out of college, GE had a program that basically encouraged you to rotate through different areas of the business before you decided where you wanted to land ultimately. So you would do that for about two years. And what I took away from that was when I made those rotations, it helped me to get a better understanding and insight of how the business worked as a whole. So as I continued with my career, I kept that in mind and and applied that as opportunities availed themselves. It was another way for me to see a different aspect of the business, see how the OAP integrated system worked as a whole, and have a better understanding how the pieces fit together. Yeah, it's amazing how supply chain can do that. Uh, I, a lot of people, I think, are, are realizing it more now. Yes. Um, but it was never really thought of as touching every part of a corporation. No, no, it wasn't. And I, I can say early in my career, it wasn't anything that was really presented to me as an option or a career to pursue. It, it, it felt like, you know, supply chain was just kind of silent at the time. That's really interesting. And now we're looking at, you know, supply chain rules being brought into the boardroom. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, which is great. And I love to hear that because, again, it's such an important part of an organization and it touches all different aspects, you know, from procurement to sourcing to last mile delivery. And it's just become so important for for people to really specialize in and really, really understand what they're doing in supply chain. So, um, you know, keeping on the track of your journey to success, what would you say is the best thing you ever did for your career? The best thing I ever did was to take risk. Um, I was open to taking non-traditional assignments um, I was open to moving to another company site to expand my experience level or taking a developmental role to gain um, additional experience that wasn't, you know, quite in the career track that I was in. And those things just opened up um, opportunities for me that I think most people wouldn't necessarily see. So it's critical as you're you're going through that journey on your own, you've got to step out of your comfort zone. And, you know, most people say, well, you know, and I, I hear it a lot in terms of how women approach uh, assignments. Well, I don't really have all the things they look, they're looking for. They don't really need you to have all the things. But having that, uh, the guts to try it, that initiative, you have some basic skills and abilities that they're looking for, you know, launch out and do something that's going to stretch you a little bit. 
Yeah, and it's something so important that we've spoken about a few times in this series. Um, because a lot of women, you know, won't take that risk unless they feel that they have a hundred percent of the skills to do that job. Whereas men are about 60 to 70%. But I like how you're saying, you know, step out and take that risk. And I think that's really been the storyline of this series. And, and when I'm talking to other you know, women in leadership positions and, and women in supply chain and talking about their careers, taking the risk is so super, super important. Now, were you somebody that was a risk taker or were you somebody that was a little bit more conservative? I, I didn't peg myself as a risk taker. <laughs> I think I saw myself as someone who did not like getting bored. And so if I was in a place where I feel I wasn't growing, or I wasn't getting enough value out of it. It was time to look to do something more, do something different. And, you know, in terms of, I, I guess I never looked at myself as questioning that I didn't have the ability to do it. I just took it on face value and I figured, you know, you figure it out when you get there. <laughs> And um, there was always um, people there to help or lend a hand or help me bridge that gap. So, But I, I would have to say I didn't recklessly take assignments. I was able to talk through some of those assignments with um, mentors that I had to get feedback, get some insight on what they thought, what skills that they think you really needed to do a particular role. And that was very helpful also. And um, just a really quick question on the topic of mentors. How did you sort of find your mentors? How did you work with your mentors? And were they more male? Were they more female? What did that look like for you? Up until about maybe 10 years ago, all of my mentors were male. And they typically were individuals that uh, I developed a good working relationship. They were typically a boss of mine at one time. And we developed a good working relationship. They were someone that um, were very honest and upfront with me. And when I left the role or they left the position where we weren't working together anymore, we maintained the relationship. Um, about 10 years ago, um, I added a, another um, kind of advisor and mentor uh, to my network who's a female. Um, she also happens to be my executive coach. And it was at a time when I realized, you know, I needed to do some more things, more developmental things for myself and focus on some specific areas that I wasn't getting in kind of a general learning environment. And that was a great addition to um, the network of people that I depend on today. Interesting. So would you suggest um, a mixture, I guess, of, of coach and mentor? I would say so. Um, the types of things that I do with an executive coach is a lot more in-depth than what I do with mentors. So I can go into a lot more detail around um uh, personality profiles, pros profiles um, leadership skill sets, work of leaders. I can do some really in-depth um, analysis on me and put together a plan on what I need to do to close 
some skills gaps or improve myself in certain areas. And is that what led you to move from corporate into consulting? Um, actually, when I think back on it, during one of my coaching sections, we were talking about um, what the next step would be for me. And actually, the, um, the next step we were looking at was a COO level role. And um, I had interviewed for one position. I wasn't successful in getting that. I was looking for others. And in, in the process of looking for another role, um, I had another colleague that needed some assistance um, in the company. She had just assumed a president's role in. And it was through that experience that I decided, you know, I think this is really what I want to do. So I had a great time. I was able to really do what I enjoyed. Um, I felt just reinvigorated by the experience and decided to launch off on my own from there. Awesome. Awesome. And it definitely gives you also that flexibility, I'm sure, to do some of the other things that we're going to be talking about in a minute, which is some of your social le leadership um, activities. So before we get into that and we move from career into, into social, can you share with us some personal experiences, maybe good or bad, that um, about your journey to success? Um, you talked about having, you know, some male mentors. Um, so that's always a question, you know, did you have support from male advocates um, on your way up? you know, as you moved your, climbed the ladder in corporate and maybe, maybe at times when you didn't and how did you sort of deal with that and, and what challenges came up from that? Yeah. Um, within engineering, within supply chain, IT, there's so many fields today that are still predominantly male and um, you've got to learn how to navigate that political climate. And I think for myself growing up with 17 brothers um, and having these mentors helping me, it helped me to bridge that gap. Um, the mentors were able to kind of share information with me that other people would not. They would be able to share with me um, information about maybe misconceptions people had about my skills and ability because they didn't really know me. I mean, there are a lot of um, instances in the corporate environment where um, the decision makers that are making those um, um, are deciding on succession plans and things like that. They really want to get to know the candidates. They typically get to know them on, in some type of recreational activity, whether it's golf, hunting, fishing, something like that. But since there are not that many women, you typically don't get invited to those events. So they never really get to know you on a personal basis in a lot of instances. So using these mentors to help bridge that gap was, was um, critical for me. Um, that is really, really um, insightful. It's not something that we've, that's come up in this series, but it actually makes complete sense. And I'm going to actually split that in two. Mm -hmm. So one is the misconceptions. Right. And that's interesting that you say that because I don't think a lot of women really realize 
um, the misconceptions of what, you know, sort of what's out there, whether it's you as an individual, you as a female, you know, what have you, there's all these misconceptions that we don't even really even talk about. Mm -hmm. I can share with you a classic one is, well, they're afraid you're, you, you can't get the job done. And that's based on the fact that, you know, I don't necessarily come off as super aggressive. You know, I'm not banging my fist on the table. I'm not exhibiting these traits that they may be used to seeing from the people they, they have deemed are the ones who get the job done. So to change some of that, I had a mentor say, well, they don't think you can get the job done. Um, typically when we have meetings, he said, you never sit at the table. You're usually in one of the seats along the sides of the conference room. And I said, well, I normally defer to individuals who are higher in a level for the, you know, to sit at the table. He's like, no, there's always a few seats left for others at your uh, level. But he said, you never take them. He said, so when we have these meetings, I need you to sit at the table. And I need you to contribute to the conversation. I tend to be a thinker and I, I'll sit and process all the information, form an opinion, but not necessarily would I dive in um, to help drive the conversation. And those were some of the some of the feedback he gave me in, in that particular intent that I needed to change in terms of um, my behaviors in those types of events. Interesting. And it's so true. You know, it's the little things that maybe we don't even take notice of mm -hmm. that we do. And maybe it's also just part of our personality where, like you said, you don't necessarily just jump in with with suggestions. You're more of a, a maybe analytical, maybe more of a thinker Yes, um, that takes your time to really process and make sure that you come to the table with something of value. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so that's interesting, sitting on the side and not taking the initiative to sit at the table. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, and then the other thing that you said was the fact that we're not, we're being overlooked for invitations mm -hmm. of getting to know you. Yeah, I, I had an experience um, uh, early in my career, there was um, I was interested in a director level role at this particular company, and a position had become available. Um, I was going to be interviewing for the position along with um, some other um, individuals, and um, there was our you know regular golf event. So I, I participated, went to the event, but during the event the hiring senior vice president invited uh, one of my colleagues to go out on his boat while we were at the event. And to me, I, you know, I'm sitting there looking, you know, I like boats. No one's invited me, but it just gave me an indicator. I knew at that point who was going to get the position. And that's exactly who the position went to. So, it's, 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 you've got to be a part of those um, events or create opportunities where individuals that are decision makers get a chance to know you on a more personal level and not just the, um, the things that you are executing in the business. 
Absolutely. And maybe it means that we sort of create our own opportunities and not just wait for them to happen or to be invited. Yeah. One, one of my mentors suggested to me one time because um, I was having some issues with some of my colleagues who didn't really know me and didn't really know how to get to know me. And so he suggested, he said, take some time to, you know, don't be so focused on work. I know you, you know, you're focused on getting a job done. There's a lot going on. He said, but you have got to take some extra time to get to know your colleagues and for them to get to know you. So, so what, so what did you do? What, what type of opportunities did you create for yourself? It was simple things like inviting somebody to lunch or just going for a drink or, you know, a cup of coffee or something after work or something. It's just creating little, you know, snippets of time to get people, allow people to get to know you on a more personal level. Interesting. Interesting. And just before we get go, keep going, Mm -hmm. you said you have 17 brothers. (laughs) I am, my parents were foster parents for more than 25 years. And during that time, they raised um, 21 kids, 17 of which were boys. Sorry, you cut out there. How many kids in total? 21. 21 kids. Wow. No wonder you're a social leader. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. And I promise my listeners, we're going to get to that. Okay. So um, I'm hearing, so I just recently heard about the awesome organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit more about it, um, sort of how you got involved and how they advocate for women in leadership. Okay. So the organization um, is about, uh, it's focused on achieving women's excellence in supply chain operations, management, and education. It was starting in about 2012, and they were focused on advancing women supply chain leaders, um, primarily focused on developing and expanding the network, leveraging a strong network of supply chain executives. So the challenge you have in a number of fields, um, you start to make some gain some ground in terms of increasing the number of women in supply chain, but at the leadership level, you still, this number still aren't there that are representative of um, the number of women that are out there. And this organization was focused on how do we increase those numbers? How do we provide a means of starting to network with one another to know who's out there um, and how do we connect with them and create something meaningful? So I received an invite um, to the first symposium in 2013 Um, At the time, I was um, running a supply chain organization. I didn't have um, a network of other supply chain leaders that I could connect with. Um, So it seemed like the prime opportunity to start to meet some other people. And it was fantastic. Yeah, and I think, um, how do you sort of get involved with it, though? I think you have to be a certain level. Yes, it's to be a member of it, you have to be... um, at least at a director level above of an organization that's a certain size. Um, and um, it's by invite. So as different members and um, advisors 
uh, are made aware of individuals out there who could qualify to be a part of the network and might be interested, we'll send out a personal invite to them um, to see if they are interested in participating. We also have another um, a means of getting um, other females leaders involved who are not necessarily at the director level yet. It's called our Emerging Leaders Forum. And it operates at the same time as our symposium. So the, the women executives that participate in the symposium can nominate other um, females within their organization who are up and coming leaders that we want to start including in the events that we're, um, we're creating. And that's another avenue to start to get other uh, women leaders involved. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. I love hearing about, you know, woman empowerment and women supporting women. I love that hashtag. Um, and I really like hearing about the way the different organizations, you know, go about supporting women in leadership and um, how they how they go about supporting each other as well. Because like you said, you know, especially if you're in a male dominated industry, it's really, really nice to have somewhere to go to really be able to get that support, um, not only from, you know, sort of an industry level, but also, you know, from a female perspective as well. And they've sort of been through the same, same type things as, as you have. Yeah, absolutely. I find when, um, I do have an, an opportunity to kind of share with other, uh, female leaders, we, we are all experiencing some of the same things. And, and as we start comparing notes, it's, wait a minute, I, I experienced that too. And, you know, here's what happened. And you start to find out, you know, you're having the same experiences and it's not an anomaly because sometimes you start to doubt yourself to say, well, maybe I'm just imagining this. And yeah, when, absolutely. Yeah. When you compare notes, like, no, you're not imagining that. That's pretty, that's probably really happening. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I started this Woman in Supply Chain series. I wanted other women to see the paths to success um, in different industries because supply chain covers so many different, you know, industries. Um, I wanted them to see that the path is is never straight. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a lot of twists and turns. Um, there are going to be, you know, challenges and like you said, misconceptions and, and things like that. So I wanted to reach not only women that are already in supply chain that are looking to advance their career and sort of figure out how to do that or maybe what that looks like, but then also for, you know, women and, and young professionals that are looking to get into supply chain and, you know, as they emerge onto that path and in, into supply chain to sort of look out for different opportunities yes, um, that we've identified through these. I journeys. applaud you for doing this series because it's definitely much needed. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's, it's definitely quite popular. There's a lot of people, female and male that are really, really enjoying this, this series. And I'm just loving you know, putting it on and, and talking to all these different, 
and powerhouse women, which are amazing, um, including yourself. And this is just such a really, really great episode. So let's continue on. Um, we were talking about the awesome organization. What growth have you seen by being a part of that organization? I'm not saying that, you know, obviously with this one being invite only, there's other organizations out there. And I want other women to really understand how important it is to be a part of something. Like yeah, that. I, I would say that the, the biggest um, benefit I've seen is I, I've had an exposure to some phenomenal female leaders that I didn't even realize were, were in the industry. Uh, the, the, the level and quality of individuals that are brought into the symposium to share about their journey, to share about their experience and um, provide some, you know, direction and input into others who are looking to to make similar um journeys is it's been phenomenal the the other thing i've learned um through this i've gotten a chance to learn more in depth about companies that you know they've got names that they have the brand recognition but i don't know that you really know the heart of the company so a company like um, Johnson & Johnson, DCS Logistics, uh, Nike, um, these are individuals, these are companies that when you get to hear their CEOs talk about the value of women in the workplace and what they're doing to support that and what they're doing in their organization to make that a reality, it's really encouraging. And so inspiring, I bet. It is. Yeah. Well, so you not only are killing it in supply chain and aerospace, and now even in the consulting space, and also, you know, through women's organizations, but you also um, give back to the community at large um, through some social leadership. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do on that side and how it's sort of you know, migrated into something that um, you sort of never saw coming and allows you to use sort of your supply chain. Skills. Yeah, I um, had an opportunity in 2010. I was working at an airline and um, it was right after the major earthquake they had in Haiti. And there was a portion of the company that was taking relief supplies to the airport in Haiti. And I happened to be there the day before they were, were leaving on one of those missions. And I said, hey, do you mind if I ride along? I'd like to see what you're doing. So I went and it changed me just seeing, you know, the, the level of devastation and, and how the people had so little and the lack of infrastructure. And I mean, I could go on and on. But I've left there feeling like we have to do something. And I came back and we uh, launched a major um, effort to um, collect supplies to send down, not only for the people um, that were impacted, but for the doctors who were there helping. And I was introduced to a organization that has been around for over 30 years it's um, Haitian run. Um, it was founded by a Haitian family, and their focus is on teaching their people 
how to improve their lives and um, their future. And I've been involved with it ever since. So between going down, I, I take groups of people down to allow them to have a similar experience um, that I have. And I do that every year. We're getting ready to run our, our seventh trip down. Um, but as the organization continues to grow, just like in corporate America, you start thinking about how do we take this organization to the next level? And that's where I'm looking um, from the standpoint of how do I use what I do from a professional standpoint in the environment in Haiti and how do you translate into something that's usable for them? And it's not easy. I tell you, you, you think you have it, you know, you know, the processes, you know how to, to, to transition um, organizations, but the, it in, introduces a lot of extra elements that uh, I wasn't used to. So I've worked in other countries, so language barrier hasn't been an issue, but just the communication elements that come into play, the lack of infrastructure. Um, you start down the road of doing something while you're there, and then when you come home, well, Internet's not working today. Or you don't know whether or not they got their your email. Or it takes a week to get a response. Or so. It's not as easy as, you know, with all the creature comforts we have in the States and in other countries. It's a lot more difficult, but it's a place that needs the help. They need the improvements, and it's an opportunity for the help this organization to even do better. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything you're doing, and not only in this industry, but also in the, the community at large and, and sort of globally. So how do you balance career, social leadership, and family? I, I'd say the best version of myself um, develop out a need to be true to what I believe in and the things that I enjoy. Um, I've learned that, you know, what, what I do is not who I am, but who I am is reflected in what I value and what's important to me and how I spend my time. So if I'm careful about getting the right balance between those things, then it helps me to minimize conflicts and allows me to appropriately allot the amount of time needed in the various areas, whether it's family, career, responsibilities as a social leader. Um, at this point, I think I'm finally finding the right balance. I think you continue to learn and adjust as, as, as you go through life. Um, but even in finding that balance, you have to still allot time for yourself. And that's where I think we still miss out. We take care of everyone else. We take care of our jobs. We take care of our family. We take care of the community. We have to be careful to also take care of ourselves. Yeah, self-care is so, so very important to everybody, especially these days when, you know, it feels like we're running 150 miles an hour down the road and there's so much sort of piling up and things that you need to do and people you need to talk to and, and you know, keep in mind and, and with all that kind of stuff, you know, self-care is definitely, definitely very important. So before we wind this down and you have been so kind and provided so much really insightful um, 
you know, advice for our listeners, but what if you just gave us sort of, you know, one more piece of advice, you know, what would you give to what, what is that piece of advice that you would give to women in supply? You chain? know, I, I'm always going to go back to don't be afraid to take risk. We talked about that earlier, that that's going to be so valuable to an individual in the long run, be versatile in terms of what value you bring to an organization or a company. And I think the bottom line to it all, you have to enjoy what you're doing. Um, if you find yourself in a position where the, the role is no longer satisfying, figure out how to enhance the role. And if you can enhance the role, then find something else to do that you really enjoy. Yeah, you know, and take responsibility for yourself, really, at the end of the day. Don't blame your environment or the people around you or the company or, or things like that. Really take responsibility for what you want out of this life and what you want that to look like on a day-to-day -day basis. So there you have it, listeners. So much great advice and personal experiences from Lillian. I hope you learned just as much as I did in this episode. If you want to connect with Lillian, look her up on LinkedIn. I'll also have all of the social media links on the show page at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 11, including more information about the awesome organization and Lillian. And she's been, um, She's been great and given us, you know, a full page on what her journey to success looks like. Um, so you can sort of share in that with her and, and maybe take a look at, you know, what you're doing in your career and it, it will help you with, with that as well. So thank you, Lily, Lillian, for coming on the show and sharing. Thank you your so much story. for your time. I really had a good time. Next time, we have Peter back on the show to talk to us about the results of their innovation competition at TPM. You won't want to miss that episode because Nishex won the competition. And if you don't know who they are, then you are not innovating. Remember to sign up at ships.com, that's S-H-I-P-Z.com, to be the first to know about our platform. We are working on some amazing things that I know you're going to want to want to know about um, but only those that sign up at the website will get to know what we are doing and be the first ones to know wherever you are in the world i hope that you have an amazing day thank you again for listening to us at let's talk supply chain and remember everybody ship happens 